Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study that we're doing of the New Testament. And we've been working through this together uh, a chapter at a time. Sometimes we've done two chapters uh, or half a chapter, depending on the length and size of the chapter. But most, for the most part, a chapter at a time. And we've been going at this for 138 weeks. Um, so that's good. And uh, we are uh, a little better than halfway done, I think. Um, no, maybe somewhere in there. We, we uh, have tackled the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we, we, uh, we, we did the book of Acts. Uh, we did Luke and Acts kind of together. And then we started looking through Paul's letters. And that's where we're at now. We've been going through the letters together. We've done First and Second, Second Thessalonians. And we did First Corinthians. We're, we're doing them in the order we believe he wrote them. And uh, we just finished First Corinthians. And today we're going to move into the book of Galatians. And so um, I think you'll find that uh, this is a, a very interesting book. Uh, it's a little lighter than the subject matter in 1 Corinthians, which is nice. Uh, although it's going to hit some pretty interesting stuff along the way. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to uh, sharing it with you and uh, working through it together. Now, as we uh, approach the book of Galatians, what you need to know is that um, when Paul and Barnabas... Um, returned back to Antioch. Remember that that, that was the, the sending church was Antioch that sent out Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys, if you remember from the book of Acts. And Antioch was a Gentile church. And it, it, sent, um, it sent them out on these missionary journeys. After their first journey, when they came back to Antioch, they encountered a group of men that were there from Jerusalem, from Judea, from that church. And they were teaching the people there in Antioch, that they needed to be circumcised. That, that the believers needed to be circumcised. And, and, and in Acts 15.1, uh, if, you, if you went back and looked, it said they were teaching that unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, this was in direct contrast to what Apostle Paul had been teaching and what his message was. And, and the group of people who did this, the, these men were called Judaizers. That's what they were known. And they were very zealous. Um, they were believers from the church in Jerusalem, but they had taken on this thing in a very aggressive way because not only did they go to Antioch, they went to uh, numerous, of, uh, numerous Gentile churches and started to teach this. Um, and they would do this when Paul was gone because... <laughs> They were like, don't go while Paul's there. Um, so they'd hear that Paul's gone, and then they'd slip into town, and they'd start to cause some pretty significant trouble. Because what they were teaching, in effect, was not so much that they needed to be circumcised. What they were telling the believers, these Gentile believers, was that in order to be saved, they would have to become Jewish in order to become Christian, in order to get saved. And that they would have to take on the entire... Law that they'd been under all along. That was the significance of this teaching. That was a very big deal. Uh, and, and that's what they were trying to bring out. So what they were trying to bring into the church that, that Paul had been establishing and the Lord was using Paul in a mighty way was they were trying to bring in the rules and regulations again. They were immediately trying to go back to, no, that, that whole grace thing is way too good. Here comes all the rules. Because if we're under them, you're under them. And they hadn't been able to get to the point yet where they could see that, that even though they were in Christ now, 
then all these rules weren't still part of the package. So they were trying to put their bondage on all these new believers. Well, you can imagine that the Gentile believers who'd been told by Paul that, that in order to get saved, they just needed to believe and have faith, that um, these rules weren't part of the deal. This was a pretty significant deal because it would feel like you, a little false advertising. You know, you know what I mean? If, if, if the whole deal was that, uh, that you said, okay, now this is, this is what you need to do to come to Christ, and then after you're in, and then they said, oh, well, now... Um, now that you're in, here you need to get circumcised, which did not go over well. Um, that was a thing. Um, and then all this other stuff, boom, we're going to put that on you too. Uh, it was a big deal. And some of them, but so some of the new believers were listening because, you know, here you get people that want it. If they love God, they want to do what God wants. And if this is what God wants, then it's probably an issue. And these men seem to carry some authority because what they said was, and you have to know this as you read the letters, they introduced themselves as being from the church in Jerusalem. We're from the original church, and therefore you ought to listen to us. And they were saying it in such a way that they were um, saying that they had more authority than Paul. And that Paul you know, wasn't one of the original twelve, that Paul didn't come from the church in Jerusalem, and so they needed to listen to the, these guys instead of listening to the Apostle Paul. You need to know that's what's happening as we move into this letter that uh, Paul writes back to the church in, in, in the people in the church in the Galatians, okay? Um, later on, and see the timing of this thing is, is, is fairly significant. This, this becomes a pretty significant issue in Paul's ministry. If you remember the book of Acts, um, when we, we studied this at some point in time. Um, this issue came up, and what happens eventually is that Paul goes to Jerusalem and meets with the church there, and they have a big church council. And out of the church council comes the decision that, that no, the, the Gentile believers do not need to be circumcised or follow all those things. And that they believed that the Holy Spirit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit moving through the Gentiles was enough that said that God accepted them where they were at. And they're not going to hang the burden that was on their ancestors on these people as well. That ultimately, that decision came out of the council in, in the church council there in Jerusalem. But Paul is having to deal with this before that happens. And so when he's writing the letter to the Galatians, the council hasn't met yet and they haven't come up with that decision. So he has to come up with a different defense than the one that ultimately he can say years later is, you know, the church even said in Jerusalem, you don't have to do that. That's not how it's supposed to work. So he's, that, that's, that's the situation that he's happening as he begins this letter to the Galatians, all right? So let's read a pretty short chapter. It won't take real long tonight. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 and following. Paul. Yeah, well, they're excited upstairs about it. That's good. When the kids are excited, that's a good thing. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Interesting little introduction, and, and uh, I just, there's, there's a verse in there I want you to catch. And you also need to see, based on what I told you, 
that Paul is introducing himself and he's, he's quickly moving into the fact that he is indeed an apostle, not sent from the church in Jerusalem, but sent by God directly. And, and he's reestablishing his authority over these guys who were sent by men, not by God, into this mess. And, and that he has the backing of all of the prophets and, and the other guys that hang out with him in ministry as he goes along. And, and the, the verse that's very important um, in verse 4, he said, Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God. Um, Jesus came to rescue us from this present evil age. The, the, the age that we live in now is characterized as an evil age. The age to come, when Jesus comes back, that's what we're shooting at. But now we live. But we're rescued from it, but we're still in it. All right? Because the enemy's still doing his thing. And so we're, we're in this tension. And you need to see the tension that, that, that characterizes the age that we live in now is that it's an evil age. And you can see it. It's everywhere. All right? But the age that's to come is ushered in when Jesus comes back. It started when he came the first time. It's ushered in when he comes back. just wanted you to see that. All right. We'll move on without interruption now. Um, verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus." Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Later I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted the church is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, that's the first chapter of Galatians. And like I said, it moves from a pretty... A lot of Paul's introductions go on a little longer. And they, they, they kind of have a little more, hey, how you doing? Good to see you stuff going on. Um, and this time, he's writing to this situation because the people are so stirred up. Imagine, like I am said, you've got to try and get a hang of how that feels for someone to, to come in and all of a sudden say they have authority of the Church of Jerusalem and tell you that everything that you bought into wasn't quite right and that the guy who told you wasn't quite right. And, 
And now you've got to do these other things in order to be in. Here's a whole new list of things that you've got to do. And here you go. Um, they were thrown into confusion. Paul said, it's a big deal. That's a significant problem. And so Paul jumps on this letter. And he's still in Ephesus at this time. And he writes this letter to the Galatians to make sure that they get it. And, and he launches into, in those first nine verses, after a real short introduction, an immediate confrontation with the Judaizers that I talked about. And he reminds the church there that the gospel that the Judaizers are preaching is no gospel at all. He pulls no punches in saying that what they're presenting is false and that those people should be eternally condemned for preaching it. Because they're, they're, they're trying to... Um, uh, they're, they're, they're sort of coming against the work that God is doing. And they're, they're presenting a, a completely false gospel. They're adding stuff onto it that shouldn't be added. And it's throwing people in confusion. It's impacting the church in a negative way. It's impacting the gospel in a negative way. And Paul's saying that, that you know, that's a huge deal. And those guys are going to get in trouble if they don't get straightened out uh, in, in, in the process. So, he, and Paul's saying... Because it fascinates me too. He says in one of those verses, why would you move away from the grace that you were taught to pick this mess up? And yet the church is famous for doing that. Why, we, why do we do that? Why is it that we sort of like to move away from the grace that we've been taught and start trying to get a bunch of rules to follow? Because it happens all the time. People, and a lot of people, that's what they want. Oh, the grace, I like the grace thing, but what, give me the rules. What are the rules? And I'm like, the rules are don't eat out of the one tree in the garden. I don't know what the rules are. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you see all those trees, they're all good, except for that one. Don't eat that one, okay? And if I told you that, you'd, you'd have to go, yeah, right, and then you'd be on it. <laughs> that must be a really good tree. So, grace gets misunderstood. Because grace doesn't mean that you can go and do whatever you want to do. The grace of God means that, that when you kind of realize that you want to do what he wants you to do because you love him you, you, then you know by your spirit what you shouldn't do and if you're compromising you, you have to deal with it you know it, it's, it's one of those situations but see the, when, it's the moment you make it rules then you spend your life trying to figure out how to beat the rules follow them and beat them when no one can see you know what I mean and then outwardly look like you're following them and yet whenever you can you're breaking them and, and then you act like you never do break them that's, what, that's, a, that's the book that's the problem Jesus was facing and so it's it's not a bunch of rules. I, I told you the other day, it's a love letter from God saying, look, here's some advice on how to live this thing. If you want to experience real, full life, do the next right thing. It's a love letter. It's a, it's a prescription from the good doctor. It's not a bunch of stuff trying to keep you from having life. And every time that we, we compromise and do things that we shouldn't do, we miss out on full life and we're settling for something far less that's the bottom line but to just come up with rules it's easy at some point because then you, you see when you have rules you can kind of you can begin to say alright here's the rules and then everybody that follows these rules belongs to our group and so it becomes this very bounded set of people and, and you define who's in and out by who's following the rules do you get the, I, I hope you, this makes sense so all you need to know is if you're following the rules you're in if you're not following the rules you're out in, in or out. But see, we approach Jesus differently because of grace. And, and when, you're, when you're a follower of Jesus, he's at the center. And, and all that it takes to be involved in that is that you're heading towards him. You can be in all sorts of different places on the way towards him. 
But you can still be apart if you're heading towards him. If you get that he's what you're heading towards, he's the center, he's the, he's the truth, he's it. If you're heading there, then, then the Spirit of God works on all that other stuff. But if you settle for what's the rules, and I, okay, if I follow these rules, I'm in, and if I don't, I'm out, you, you, you miss the whole deal. And so Paul is saying, guys, how can you, get, how can you go from grace and, and trusting in the Spirit of God to let you know what you ought to should be doing to settling for, okay, here's the rules. Now if we do those rules, then, then, then we're good. That's it. And that's the huge issue that he has to address, and it's a significant, significant thing. Now in verse 10, apparently what's happened is the Judaizers have accused Paul of presenting an easy message. Because he, he wanted to please, he wanted to be a people pleaser, and so the message that he gave them was a was an easy one. Well, he just he didn't tell you because he wants you all to like him and uh, get along, and so he didn't give you all of it. He just gave you the easy part. And and uh, and uh, have you ever see the thing is we've already been studying Paul. You ever see Paul shy away from a conflict yet? He just never would, and this just makes him get. I'm gonna uh, I'll go deal with these people. Um, because they're, he's, see, cause they're, he, they're messing with people that he loves. You get that about Paul? Paul, even when he's kind of saying, okay, stop it, he's saying it because he loved, he loved these people in these churches. And they loved him. We get to see those interactions in the book of Acts where he would stop back by and they would just weep when he was going to leave because they loved him because he came in and loved on him. He just came in and loved them. And he loved them so well. And he would, but he would say, but stop doing that. Boy, I love you. Quit it. Do you, do you get it? I love you so much. Stop it. And they'd be like, okay. Because they knew they were loved. See, that's the authority he had. That's the power he had. That's what ought to happen when we get together. Oh, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Stop it. Because you're missing out on life. The real life. The full life. Not because of rules. It's not good for you. And so he would, he would move into those people. So... Um, he, he's certainly not a people pleaser, although that's what the Judaizers are accusing, accusing him of, and he doesn't shy away from conflict at all. Then, Paul starts talking about this radical encounter that he has with Jesus on the road to Damascus in verses 11 through 17, um, which, which led to his con- conversion. And Paul says, um, listen, before I met Jesus on the road to Damascus, I was busy persecuting the church. And those of you here of our study of Acts, you knew that Paul was out trying to stop the church. That was his goal. He was zealous to, to, to crush the church from what was happening. And he, he was involved in all sorts of things, beginning back in Acts um, 7 with the stoning of Stephen and, and been being there watching that take place and then getting letters so he could go around and have Christians hauled off to jail where they'd be killed and giving his approval to it and, and that it was his stated mission that he was going to go from town to town and find all the Christians and get them tossed in jail and put to death. That's what he was up to. That's what he was going to do. He was going to stop the church. Which makes it so funny that God says, okay, you're going to be the one that I use to grow the church. I love that stuff. Really? Check this out. And so if you remember then, he has this amazing encounter on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And, and you know, he gets knocked down and, he gets, and then he's blinded and, and there's a big light and he hears directly from God what's supposed to happen. And then they have to lead him by hand into another town. And he sits there for a few days, and then Paul sends one of the prophets to him um, to go and pray for him so he can see again. And I always think that's one of the bravest guys in Scripture, the, the prophet that Paul uh, that had to go and pray for Paul because he'd been killing everybody that was a Christian. Can you imagine when the, when the word came from the Lord, okay, you need to go and pray for that guy. 
What? I don't think I heard you. That guy, you know that guy? Yeah, I want you to go and pray for that guy. Go ahead, you'll be okay. Send somebody else. <laughs> I often wonder if maybe he wasn't like the third or fourth choice. <laughs> no, you're going to go. And he goes and prays for him. And Paul just, just kind of plunges into the ministry. Now, and he immediately starts telling people about Jesus. He hasn't rushed back to the church in Jerusalem. That's what he's saying. I didn't go back and get... I got... While that happened to me, I know exactly what Jesus told me to preach. And this is it. And, and he said, the gospel was given to me directly by God. Years later, 14 years later, to be fair, and we'll see it at the end of the, uh, in chapter 2, he goes and gets the blessing of the church. The established church says, absolutely, you're, just, you're dead on with your message. But he spends all that time before then, short in time in Jerusalem. Remember, if you remember in the book of Acts, he hung out in Jerusalem for a little while, and he, he hung out with Peter and just for a little while, and some of the guys, and he was doing ministry. But he was such a, having such an impact, it was heating up things too much for the church in Jerusalem, and they kind of said, okay, you need to go for now. We can't, we can't handle it. It's too hot. And uh, he went off for 10 years and kind of did, we're not sure exactly what, and I think just really prepared for the ministry. And then, uh, if you remember, Barnabas went and found him and brought him to Antioch and said, look, i got ministry for you. And from there, that's when everything took off. So, but Paul had this thing in him by revelation. And that's what he's telling the folks now. He's saying, listen, what, what came didn't come from any man, directly from God, and that's what I gave you. I gave you direct revelation that God gave me in this encounter that I had with Jesus. And this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is what you need to understand. This is what you need to receive and believe. Not all that messy law stuff that came apart from what God was doing in this time and place. So... um, the, the point that the reason this is so important and sets the tone for the letter is is Paul is is making a, a, a point and a, 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 about his apostleship that he's an apostle because God made him an apostle not because it came from anywhere else but because it directly came from God and the Judaizers who are claiming to have authority from the church in Jerusalem um, that, that surpasses his, Paul says that his apostleship, in effect, is equal to the original twelve and that revelation that he has is directly from God. We'll also find out later on that those guys that claimed to be from the Jerusalem church were from the church, but they weren't sent from the church in Jerusalem. They just took it on themselves to go and, you know, mess things up. Surely they were thinking they were doing what was right. But the, see, a lot of times people are well-intentioned, but, but well in, you know, good intentions don't always mean that you're right. So, so when, when that's what Paul's saying, don't, why would you follow something like that from some people just because they're good-intentioned? Verses 18 through 24. Um, three years after his conversion, Paul makes his first trip to Jerusalem. And like I said, he spends 15 days with Peter, and he also meets James, who's the brother of Jesus, um, who is kind of the de facto leader of the church in Jerusalem at that point in time. And uh, he didn't meet with any of the other apostles, he said, or any of the leaders in the church until 14 years later when, uh, like I said, in Jerusalem, um, the church council validates the ministry and message of Paul to the Gentiles. And that's what kind of happens when we start chapter 2. And I don't want to dig into that today, um, so I'm just going to leave it nice and easy tonight, and uh, we'll stop it right there. So if you're watching by video or television, thank you for watching. Um, God bless you. If there's anything you can do, call us, write us, email us, check us out on the website, keysvineyard.com. We'll do whatever we can. We're going to pray as a group here tonight.